0: but our primary focus will be on what we believe are the film succeeds at, some fun facts and our personal enjoyment factors of each film. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show.
1: college in 1962. You know, 1962 had to be the best year of my life. I was a member of Delta Tau Chi. The Deltas. What a great bunch of guys. Pluto. Hoover.
0: Uh... Raise your right hand. Pinto.
1: Flounder. Flounder? D-Day. Boone. It's not gonna be an orgy. It's a toga party. And look at me in 62. The otter. School was fun in those days. The girl. The party. friendships the girls of course we had our problems
0: find me a way to revoke delta's charter you're out finished at favor expelled i want you off this campus at nine o'clock monday morning Tim Matheson. Would you go out with me? And Donald Sutherland. There's Jennings. Now, was Milton saying being bad is more fun than being good? National Lampoon's Animal House. Hey, baby, Tracy, we are so excited for our upcoming live event in Indianapolis with Tragedy of Cinema and Middle-Aged and Creeped Out.
1: Yes, we're looking forward to seeing all of you. I'm Todd. I'm Nate. And I'm Sean. And we are Middle-Aged and Creeped Out. We are looking forward to sharing some creepy stories with all of our hometown listeners. I'm Jimbo with the Tragedy of Cinema. And I'm Kyle, also with Tragedy of Cinema. India is also our hometown, and we have the perfect horror movie to break down for you guys. Come out and see us on Saturday, July 16th at the BFW on South Lockburn and help veterans at the same time.
0: All three shows are clean, so this is a family-friendly event. Tickets are just $20. Seating is limited, so get your tickets now at hillbillyhorrorstories.com.
1: Alright guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. I'm your host Jimbo, and today, joined once again by my co-host... Kyle Zaner in the house, Kyle, the fresh, Animal House, fresh off starting a new job. I know, right? Yeah, starting a new so, job.
0: Everything going okay there, Kyle? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been definitely been an adjustment period. I'm definitely on my feet a whole
1: lot more, but I'm
0: making do. I'm making do. It's a good new
1: job. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, today we will be discussing um, probably one of the uh, earliest uh, comedies that there is. Uh, episode 104. We'll be talking about National Lampoon's Animal House. Um, this was um, pretty much what put, this and Saturday Night Live, what put Belushi on the map. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it's also Kevin Bacon's first film. Mm-hmm. So if you listen to our last episode where Kevin Bacon was in Friday the 13th where I was joined by the fellas from uh, the Evil Never Dies podcast, you get to see his first film this week. So, Kyle, before we get started, the question. The question of the day. I'm ready for it, Jimbo. Let's go for it. Kyle, which of the National Lampoon movies is your favorite? Oh, 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 that's a good question. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Gosh. It's,
0: it's, it's not that they're really, really good movies, but I have just made, you know, it's just been, you know, every single year I always watch Christmas Vacation. Um, so I think that's why up there at the, at the top one. Um, Vegas Vacation, probably a close second one Mean me, like Chevy Chase, I guess. I think I guess all like, the
1: Vacation movies are pretty good eh, European's kinda of rough. Well, <laughs> yes, but, but it still follows the story. Um, matter of fact I just watched the the uh- I would say Remakel uh, you know the along uh, oh, yeah, with uh, yeah. Ed Elms like, and them where he plays Rusty as older and he's taking wh- his kids out to Wally World you know mm-hmm. so oh is it the Requel now Is it, that's what I was going to call it because it's, it's not, a reboot sequel where it's like but it's not really it's still a continuation yeah, you know what I mean the Chevy was, Chase the, and Beverly Deans well the thing
0: like, the last Scream movie talked about the Requel whatever right. you're going <laughs> to yeah like Chevy Chase is there so it's kind of a continuation and he's playing Russ you know yeah, yeah so that was the whole thing I haven't watched that Lace Vacation movie yet and it's not it's not national. Lampoon anymore it's just vacation it's just vacation right? yeah they dropped the National Lampoon fell into like oh gosh that's a that's a, that's a terrible long story in itself we do another podcast on someday but like got got bought up by other people's right holders and then like they made trash movies for like 20 for, years like, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah
1: yeah. there's a lot of bad ones out there so including mm-hmm. Vacation 2 <laughs>
0: <laughs> Christmas Vacation 2 uh, oh that's a terrible
1: movie so um, Kyle let's go ahead and take this oh, away no I,
0: I gotta ask you I gotta, I gotta throw it back right at you Jimbo what's, what's your favorite vacation uh, National Lampoon movie not vacation movie
1: like christmas vacation is the two easy way out um mm-hmm. but um i would have to probably say the original vacation or um was van wilder was that national I'm trying to remember if that falls oh, into I the i think umbrella. so actually. i believe so that might be it might be kind of up there too, just because it's 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 kind of like the I, I'm same. I'm so curious
0: how well Van Wilder aged.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, but I'm just saying it's yeah. another fun college. That's, that's National Lampoon. That's what yep. I thought. So. Um, I'd probably have to throw that up there just because there was some scenes in there that were pretty hilarious too. So <laughs> uh, so now Kyle, go ahead and take this away. All right, so
0: National Plo- National Lampoons <laughs> National Poons. <laughs> that's a magazine. National Lampoons Animal House released in nineteen seventy-eight. Directed by John Landis, the legendary John Landis. Writers include Harold Ramos, Douglas Kinney, Chris Miller producers was Ivan Reitman Marty Simmons composer was Elmer Bernstein and cinematographer was Charles Correll we have a budget of just three million dollars in 1978 very modestly funded for movie for the, even for the era they would be equivalent to about thirteen point five million dollars today so it's 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 constantly amazes me going back how cheap movies were made back then to how expensive they are now now movies cost like half a billion dollars to make and they gross in like two billion dollars if you're like a big Marvel movie or something like that insanity. Um, opening weekend it made two hundred and seventy six thousand dollars and oh two hundred and seventy six and five hundred and thirty eight um, dollars um in that's in today's term be about 1.2 million dollars. And gross worldwide it made 141.6 million dollars while making its budget back. And for just for inflation, that'd be close to about six hundred and thirty-four point eight million dollars today. So this movie was huge. You know, practically you know, busting the block for the era, basically. So really good on them for that. Um, technical details here. Let me run to them real fast if I can find them real quick. Let's see here. This movie was has a runtime of 109 minutes. It's a mono sound mix, so just one stereo. All you need to listen to this movie the way it was intended to be heard, I guess. Color info, this is a color movie. Aspect ratio is 1.85 by 1. Camera was used with the Panavision Panaflex, very common for the time. And for the process, they actually did a digital intermediate 4K remaster just last year. Um, so if you want to we'll go back and actually kind of watch it and like see all the um the pores on uh on, on uh, John Belushi's face. <laughs> you know, you can do that now. You can see all the mashed potatoes as they come right at you in the screen. Popping the zit. <laughs> Popping the zit. <laughs> so that exists now. I didn't get the 4K version of this movie because I just I, I didn't want to pay an extra like 20 bucks for it. <laughs> but still, if you that's out there if you want to enjoy it. Let's see here. Moving on to the drum wall, please, we have the awards. And yeah, the awards are very quick and simple this time. Um, in two thousand one, it was nas- it was one it was sorry added to the National Film Registry. Um, in two th- in nineteen seventy nine, it had the People's Choice Awards where it won the Favorite Non Musical Motion Picture. So that's if you think for People's Choice Awards that basically be Favorite Non Musical. It's like that's just Best Movie, right? <laughs> you could just said Best Movie. And in nineteen seventy nine, for the Writers Guild of America, it was nominated for the Best Comedy Written Directly for the Screen. So that's just the quick awards for the movie. Um, for the filming locations, which I usually don't get around to this time, but this time I actually said this was a film. This was a movie filmed mostly in Oregon, kind of like on location. So actually, the University of Oregon, Eugene, Oregon, was actually filmed on there. Um, lots of different streets, the uh, stadiums, kind of stuff. But actually, like basically all the real world locations this this movie was filmed in, it was just there. Um, the filming dates were um, they started in October 1979 and ended in November of 1979. So that's just eight weeks, which is a very quick turnaround, even for a three million dollar movie of the time. So very good there. And then let's see here that covers, uh, oh, uh, for production status by the way, the movie was um, fully released on July 27th of 1978. There's that's the actual full release date going on right there. And that concludes all the technical details and awards. so we'll move on to the cast here. We have Tom Hulse playing Larry Kroger um, who's best known for movies such as Amadeus in 1984. Then we have Stephen Furst playing Kent Dorfman who's uh, best known as movies from Babylon 5 in 1993. Mark McAuliffe um, playing Doug Niedemeyer um, also seen in One Crazy Summer in 1986.
1: I love Niedemeyer in this movie. <laughs> Niedemeyer hilarious. is
0: fantastic. Every little scene, he just steals them all. Uh, then we have Marie-Louise Weller, uh, playing Mandy Pepperidge, and um, she was in movies such as Fantasy Island in 1977. Then we have Martha Smith, playing Babs Jensen. She was in such movies such as Broadcast News in 1987, my bad, 1987. Then we have James Dowden, playing Greg (laughs) Marmalard, Greg Marmalard, there we go, (laughs) he was in Spies Like Us in 1985. Then we have the legendary Kevin Bacon playing Chip Diller. He was on Footloose in 1984, and movies like Tremor, and Kevin Bacon just did a lot of cool stuff. Or something. I think he's doing like a cop drama show now. You
1: know, I think you ever heard of the Six Degrees of Bacon? Six Degrees of Bacon. Yeah, like every person in Hollywood has <laughs> somehow worked with mm, Kevin Bacon. I, I think
0: I think like everyone in the world is only like seven, six, to seven degrees off from anyone else. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember Tom Hanks and like a, he was on the Colbert Show, and like Colbert's like, "So who's the best smelling actor?" And Tom Hanks just looks and like sneaks up and like. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> good joke. Good joke. Then, we, of course, we have the legendary John Belushi. Um, John Belushi, of course, got his basically his big break right here, if not also considering Saturday Night Live, also in 1925 and around those years. Um, of course, also best of known for movies like The Blues Brothers and other stuff like that, too. Um, unfortunately, short lifespan. He died kind of early, but um, still, legendary actor in his own right. Made a huge impact on the world. Then we have Douglas Kinney playing Stork. He was in Caddyshack in 1980. Chris Miller playing Hard Bar, he was in Multiplicity in nineteen ninety-six with uh, with Mark there we go, thank you. And then we have Bruce Bondman, Bonheim playing BB. He was in Delta House in nineteen seventy-nine, another little college rap movie, I believe. Then we have Karen Allen playing Caddy. She was in Indiana and the Raiders of the Lost Ark in nineteen eighty-one. James Widows and playing Robert Hoover. He was in Eight Simple Rules back in two thousand two. Tim Matheson um, playing Eric Stratton. Um, he was on the West Wing show from 1999 for, uh, I believe, three seasons. So It would have been like a 1999 to 2002, if I remember correctly. I don't know if you guys see the whole season, see the whole show or not. Um, Peter Reigert uh, played Donald um, Sch- um, um He was in The Mask in 1994 with the legendary Jim Carrey. Uh, Bruce McGill playing Daniel Simpson's Day. He was in Law Abiding Citizen back in 2009. Uh, pretty recent actually. You know, 2009. Uh, gosh, 2009 was 12 years ago. Ah, where did the years go, Jimbo? Um, then we have Jewish Daniel playing Mothball. Great character name. <laughs> <laughs> just just really on the nose there. <laughs> like it. Um, then we have... He was in Trading Places in 1983. Then we have Donald Sutherland uh, playing Dave Jennings. He was in the... Uh, uh, Donald Sutherland, Dave Jennings. Also, of course, uh, Donald Sutherland, legendary actor his own right. Um, he was... Uh, Pretty noteworthy for the Hunger Games trilogy, um, he played um, God, Mr. Sh- uh, President Snow, I believe. Then we have John Vernon playing Dean Vernon Warmer. Um, he was in the Dirty Harry first Dirty Harry movie in 1971. Then we have Junior playing uh, playing the character Trooper. Um, he was in the car- he was in the movie The Black Stallion in 1979. Don't have a full name for Junior, just have Junior playing Trooper, which is a fun thing for the IMDb cast right there. Um, then we have. Uh, Cesar de Novo uh, playing Mayor Carmine De Pasto. Um, he was in Mean Streets in 1973. Then we have Sonny Johnson playing Otters Coed, um, and she was in Flashdance in 1983. Then we have Werner Bloom playing Marion Warmer. She was in High Plains Drifter in 1973. Then we have Sarah Holcomb um, playing Claretta De Pasto in Caddyshack. Uh, she was also in Caddyshack in 1980 as well. Moving on to the last page here, we have Otis Day playing um, Otis Day, his actual character, <laughs> his actual name, I guess. He's just playing his real-life person. Um, he was in Car Wash in 1976. We have Eliza Roberts playing Brunella. Um, she was in the Tasmanian Devil in 2021, so just last year. Good for her, keeping the acting movie going. Then we have Lisa Burr playing Shelley. Uh, she was in Charlie's Angels in 1976. Robert Elliott playing Meaner Dude. It's <laughs> a great just ah just, did you run the movie no i was the guy who was, who played meaner
1: dude i like there was dude and then i'm meaner so dude. that's like if me and you were in this movie you would be Kyle, played by the fat dude. Yeah. And Jimbo would be the fatter dude. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that.
0: <laughs> like, I'm bad guy number three. <laughs> number two is so much better. I can't deny it. <laughs> and that goes on to <laughs> we go on to the next character here Reginald Farmer was playing the meanest dude. <laughs>
1: Uh, Yes, could you give me uh, your resume of all your acting credits? Yes, well, I was the meanest dude. The meanest. The fattest dude. The fattest dude. (laughs) And the coolest dude. And the
0: coolest dude. You're hired. Wow, I've
1: never seen such an outstanding (laughs) resume before.
0: I would would, would have that as a plaque on my wall. (laughs) I was the meanest dude (laughs) in Animal House. (laughs) Uh, he was also in fast times at Richmond High in 1982. Where he was... played the highest dude. The highest dude. <laughs> exactly. The highest dude. <laughs> Far out, man.
1: <laughs> Pizza. <laughs> That's
0: for me. That's for me. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> we have uh, Briscoe Lawrence playing, sec- playing the Dean's Secretary. She was in Buffalo Rider in 1976. Rick Abbey was playing Omega, the character Omega, um, best known just for this movie. I didn't have any other cast list for them. Then we have John Freeman playing Man on the Street. Um, he, he was in Street Girls in 1975. Then we have Sean McCartan playing Lucky Boy. Um, he's on uh, the movie Rough Crossing in 1997. Then we finally we have Helen Vick playing the iconic role of sorority girl number two um, in School Spirit, <laughs> uh, and that is the cast. She wasn't good
1: enough for sorority girl number, number one.
0: <laughs> sorority girl number one. That was that was a tough that was a tough get. Um, but you know she 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 was offered sorority girl number two, so she got that. so We got it done, and that concludes the oh, cast of. All right, Kyle. Let me throw this question out there to you. Animal House.
1: i throw yes. this question. Do you think that this movie could be remade today? On um, the, the way gen- the whole. World is these days. I oh, mean, okay, like
0: just straight up, like doing the exact same script yes. or releasing a movie today. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> and it wouldn't not. be good. It wouldn't be good. It's not a movie you should release today. It really isn't. Like I understand why people appreciate it now. Um, I personally don't like don't don't agree with it, but like. uh, you know there's a lot of funny bits and there's things you can still laugh at but like you can't just have that straightforward entirely like the, plot the same but you can always do a movie about like a really bad college frat oh like, yeah yeah, yeah absolutely like that basic premise is still being made today but i just think there was series. some
1: stuff in this film that i don't think you could get away with today oh yeah yeah i just i mean the peeping tom huber and all <laughs> that kind of stuff or
0: like any of the mean-spirited stuff or, like that too i mean there's other film series that have like you know similar kind of raunchy kind of you know comedy to it but uh you know, it just, you know, one like like movies that like, there are still movies today that get made kind of like that, but those are like straight the DVD kind of movies right now, and like they have no place in the theater anymore because now right. theater movies just have to be either, they either have to be like I think big wasn't there one called like, or, like
1: Dorm Days or something mm-hmm. uh, that might have been a National Lampoon's thing. So yeah, I, I agree. I don't think a lot of it could be done today. Um, so we'll better start and for worse. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like... Really. right? You know. So well, let's talk about some of the stuff that did happen on this set or about the movie. Hmm. So the film was inspired by co-writer Chris Miller's short stories in National Lampoon, which drawn from his experiences in the Alpha Delta Phi fraternity at Dartmouth, where he graduated in 1962. Animal House was the fraternity's real-life campus nickname, earned after an upper-class member shot a chicken from a second-floor window as some fellow Adelphians chased it with the intent to kill and eat it. <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, I never went to college. <laughs> but if you did, <laughs> this would be I something. copy the one out there running yeah, for yeah. the chicken. Shoot it, shoot That's it. That's like, You know, you
0: throw a bunch of like 19, 20 twenty-something year olds in like a house, and like there you go. Take care of yourselves now. Undoubtedly, you know, mischief will happen. I, I get it. You know, it's just when those things go south, they go south real bad. <laughs>
1: uh, this movie uh, set was uh, to be filmed at the University of Missouri. Until the president of the school actually read the script and refused permission, it was filmed at and around the University of Oregon in Eugene instead, which also, when they were looking at colleges to film, the script was sent to over 250 schools. It was unanimously rejected because they all felt it was too raunchy. The president of the University of Oregon only allowed this movie to be filmed on the campus because he decided he did not know how to read screenplays. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in 1967, he had received the screenplay for the movie, but had denied it permission to film there. That movie was The Graduate, um, and he liked that movie so much that he said he didn't want to miss another opportunity, so he allowed his film or this film to be filmed at the University of Oregon on campus. Wow. Once the crew showed up, he read the script and quickly regretted his choice. In response, he insisted that the college names not be listed in the film's credits, but since then, the school is very happy and proud to be about the film being shot there. So yeah yeah <laughs> he doesn't understand how to read a screenplay but okay yeah we'll do it but then he reads the screenplay afterwards and now he has it, a problem now he with has it. regrets i i, I could
0: I, I i totally get being in that problem because <laughs> like yeah if you missed the chance of like the, the graduate kind of like have your name associated with the graduate film like which is an incredible film i really appreciate that movie a lot and then like immediately get like the animal house script which i bet reading the animal house script you're like oh this is trash. This is what, filth. What this is, you know.
1: universe do you have to live in when you see the title of a movie called Animal House and you say, oh, that's associated with the school, <laughs> right?
0: Might be I don't know if it's anything more in notes, but look it could have been like under a different name or something like that too, or like fraternity <laughs> days, something like that. Like it's the initial code. Animal our
1: house. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it's it's frat days, some some other like generic name like that. And the animal house comes later, like Well, like oh, Bambi's Mansion. Or like, something? Like that. What did we do? What did we do? Why did we agree to this? Um, you no, know, but then the movie comes out and it's actually good, and also it's so outrageous and like over the top that it can't be realistic. So it doesn't look, reflect badly on the college after it comes out, I think.
1: Uh, Babs yeah. uh, became a tour guide at Universal Studios. Remember at the end where they're doing all mm-hmm. the credits? Well, the credits for this and other John Landis films contain an advertisement for a tour at Universal Studios. The ad says, Ask for Babs. As of 1989, though, Universal Studios no longer honors the Ask for Babs promotion, which was either a discount or a free entry. <laughs> That's great. Uh, before Donald Sutherland, Sutherland was bought, brought on board, John Belushi was the highest-paid actor in the cast at forty thousand dollars. Um, and Donald Donald Sutherland was either offered a flat fee of seventy-five thousand dollars for his three days of work, or a percentage of the gross income. Yeah, so uh, forty to, thousand
0: be equivalent of about one hundred twenty thousand. But he took still. the
1: upfront payment. Sutherland did. How did he take in the gross percentage? He would have been worth an additional three to four million dollars. Uh, that makes,
0: sense. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. John Belushi's residuals percentages—they they pay off big. Yeah, I remember. AKA like,
1: Bruce Willis from the Sixth Sense. Uh,
0: made a killing. Made, oh yeah, made a huge killing. Um, Mark Wahlberg. Oh no, no, no. It's Matt Damon. Um, pseudo famous for like rejecting the most money, money in the world. He had like a chance to get a five percent cut of the first Avatar film. Oops. He literally passed up more than four hundred million dollars because of that. <laughs> literally, like no one, no one in Hollywood has ever declined more money than Matt Damon. <laughs> That's a fact. That but probably doesn't he really need time. the money. You know, no. He, no, of course, he doesn't. He's rich regardless. But also, he's still like <laughs> 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 he had like he had like Silicon Valley. He could have had, like Silicon Valley money if he took it personally. Um, uh, insane amount of money he passed up.
1: <laughs> John Belushi's wife Judy Jacqueline now Judith Belushi Pisanio a Pisano, Pisano, is an uncredited extra in several Toga Party scenes. John Landis had a budget of only $2.5 million, so to cut costs, the movie was shot almost entirely on the University of Oregon campus in Eugene, including the student court scene and scenes in Dean Warmer's office. The only exceptions were the road trip scene and the parade, which were filmed in the nearby town, or nearby town of Cottage Grove.
0: I'm curious why I have a discrepancy them because it says it has, it has a budget of $3 million. Maybe that's factoring in a little bit of marketing or something like that, too. Or.
1: Yeah, well, um, actually, they said that, um, I believe it was this movie that's in the notes, that more money was spent on marketing than it was for the budget of the movie or something.
0: Oh, okay. I'll so like, get to it. It could have been. case like they went over. They still went over budget to like half a million dollars almost. And then, like, they just rounded up to $3 million for IMDb. And then, like, yeah, advertising, like... Yeah, you, know, you got to figure like at least half of any budget is just advertising in every in every single case. Yeah. You
1: know. Um. This was in addition to Belushi as Bluto. The film was originally going to start Chevy Chase as Otter, Bill Murray as Boone, Dan Aykroyd as D-Day, and Brian Doyle Murray as Hoover. None of them were available, however, and John Landis didn't want this film to be a Saturday Night Live film. But can you imagine the iconic movie it would have been if you had all those actors <laughs> Or you could have just said... Ghost busting at Animal House, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Ghost busting at Animal House, you know, and that, yeah, nah.
0: thats like, like you don't necessarily want it to just be a Saturday Night Live movie then, because then it just gets thrown into a bag of all those other movies that are Saturday Night Live movies, SNL movies, basically. So, like, yeah, it would have been iconic, but also it would have been like in like a perfect own little group of category, not a movie unto itself. Yeah,
1: and you yeah. stated in your notes earlier that um, it filmed from October to November. That's because the University of Oregon reluctantly allowed its campus to be used and the crew was only given 30 days to complete filming. 30 days? Yep. So this meant that the cast and crew faced six day work weeks and compete, uh, completed shooting with only two days to spare. So 28 days then. 28 days, six days 28 a week. days later. Okay,
0: episode. so 28 days, six days a week. So they actually, they actually worked, you know, uh, 24 days more likely. They probably only worked 24 days if they were working. Oh, they Yeah. No,
1: they worked six days a week. Six days a week because
0: they had one day off of the seven day week. So they would right. have only worked 24 days actually. Because it would have been, through. <laughs> but I'm
1: just saying yeah. they, they finished it within two days of the scheduled uh, that they had to be off the campus by or whatever. Um, calculator. <laughs> this is the debut of Kevin Bacon, as we mm-hmm. said, and also Karen Allen. Uh, Belushi had to fly back and forth from Oregon to New York twice a week in order to shoot the film while rehearsing and taping Saturday Night Live too. So he was very committed um, to this project. Uh, one bit that was written in the script but never filmed, and I told Kyle about this, uh, included a parade bust that was destroyed at the climax of the film. The bust was that of John F. Kennedy, the U.S. president in 1962, and his head on the float would have an exit wound like the one he suffered when he was assassinated in November of 1963. John Landis cut the idea because he felt the tone of the gag was too offensive.
0: Yeah, I can see that especially like for that time still being too soon to kind of like make that kind of joke. Now I think it's like it's incredibly dark and crass and inappropriate, but also hilarious too. <laughs> Just, I don't think it's funny. Like Kyle. of all the ways to do it, do it that way. <laughs> Just like, oh gosh. It's a terrible idea. And Kyle but was canceled. For a movie so a movie of that tone. Cancel it makes Kyle, sense. cancel Kyle. You're right, you're right. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Dead President jokes aren't that funny.
1: Um to celebrate the twenty-fifth anniversary of the release of this film, a parade was held down. Uh, and on Hollywood Boulevard featuring not only cast and crew members but recreations of the parade floats used in the movie. So
0: That's, a cool, that's really cool.
1: You know who the second choice to play Bluto was in this movie? Who was the second if, choice to play Bluto? In case John Belushi uh, dropped his role. Oh, wow. Meatloaf. Man. <sighs> that would have been awesome. Things. I want to see that movie more. <laughs> uh, well, that's a little hard now. <laughs> there's
0: not... There, there's not. There's not dead. I know, I know he's dead but also there was never enough movies with Meatloaf. I think Meatloaf... Like, a wonderful musician, Far Out, made plenty of great music, had a
1: great career there. I wish he was in more movies. (laughs) I really do. Because every movie he's in, he's great. (laughs) Uh, I love him. To get the role of Niedermeyer, Mark Metcalf lied about his ability to ride horses. After he got the role, he immediately took equestrian classes. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I can ride that horse. Oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, I I, I need to... I
0: I love actors and their ability to lie about, like, oh, yeah, sure, I can do this for the job. And then it's like, oh, God, I really have to
1: do this now. Uh, Stacey Grumman, who was Flounder's girlfriend, Sissy... Was actually a student at the University of Oregon at the time the movie was filmed. So, uh, this was named the number one comedy on Bravo's Funniest 100 Comedies. Uh, Toga Toga was voted number 82 on AFI's 100 Years of 100 Movie Quotes of All Time. Uh, premiered voted this movie as one of the 50 Greatest Comedies of All Time in 2006. Um, yeah, here it is. More money was spent on advertising and promotion for the film than on the film itself. So, maybe that $2.5 million Three million got, got like, spread
0: out a little bit like that, and then like there's a whole other budget for the marketing because I think like like even for like even for 978 three million dollars advertising movie isn't nearly enough. I imagine like it's probably closer to, like 10 million dollars advertising movie probably and actually get that success kind of like rolled out, you know. And also word of mouth had to spread too. Well, you got to remember there was
1: though, no social media or anything. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Either. So you actually had newspaper, print, printed, the, uh, yeah, printed
0: magazine. ads, all that kind of stuff, trailers on televisions, all that kind of stuff, and then. Uh, and I'm sure word of mouth had to carry it a long way too, because opening weekend only being like under three hundred thousand, but then having a gross worldwide of one hundred forty one million, like man, the next weekend had to be pretty good. Then it had to keep getting bigger, and I imagine it like this is like mouth, yeah. this why I had movies like uh, like not like Dances with Wolves, but like probably movie had a very long tail in a the theater chain that movies just don't really have anymore. Again, you know, like you know, no movie stays in a the theater for like six months unless you're like Avengers. Right.
1: <laughs> Uh, The hole that John Belushi makes in the wall with the guitar was the only physical damage occurred to the house during the entire production. Instead of repairing it, though, the fraternity placed a frame around the hole with an engraved brass tag to commemorate it. That's that's a very college thing to do. (laughs) Harold Ramis, who is famous for Waco...
0: Uh, Ghostbusters. Thank you.
1: Co-wrote the film based some of the pranks on his college experiences at Washington University in St. Louis, specifically when Otter and Boone are getting golf uh, hitting golf balls at the ROTC. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I miss man. Harold
0: <laughs> Yeah I, 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 Like once he like man, man if he was still alive He'd still be writing Amazing stuff today <laughs> I always feel bad about that uh, um, After the first
1: day Shooting of the Homecoming parade There was a heavy rain That night The next day The production crew Rented a filled Burning tractor That shot flames Across the width Of the street To try and dry it Wow They should
0: have Filmed that too yeah. just, just for anything Just in case they needed that <laughs> Just in case they needed
1: that. John Belushi's performance In the cafeteria scene Was entirely improvised uh, when he began putting uh, piling the food on his trade director, John Landis urged the camera operator to say, Stay with him. The infamous I'm a Zig gag was also improvised, and the reaction from the cast is completely genuine.
0: <laughs> Just completely being by... <laughs> yeah, John. <laughs> Uh, yeah man
1: John makes this
0: film he really does I would have loved to see Meat Loaf too, but also I admit like John just he knows good comedy when he sees it he just knows what to do uh, uh,
1: the scene in which Bluto crash, crushes a beer can into his forehead and smashes a beer bottle over his head to cheer Flounder up took 18 takes to get right because Stephen First kept breaking character by laughing <laughs> my gosh <laughs> or he could just oh, not like do it just be like so, do it again do it again that's so again. cruel that's so cruel <laughs>
0: Uh, I remember um, there was a story about the um, the Suicide Squad movie. The, the last one came out, and uh, it was uh, John Cena. They had a take where he was eating like these um, chicken like uh, chicken parm thing, like that like a whole like little like or like a fish stick size like piece of chicken, and they did like twenty eight takes of it. And the way he did this first take is like he's the peacemaker, like well, peacemaker. He just eats things all together. It's just pure fuel. So he just eats it in one bite. They did that twenty eight times. <laughs> 28 takes. I'm just like, okay, just eat this entire chicken piece. <laughs> and he ate it all. <laughs> oh, I just terrible. laugh. I, I, they took a picture of him like around his 28 take, and John Cena just looks miserable, and I love it. <laughs> uh, how can you do that? You can't see him, Kyle. Exactly, exactly. They took a picture. Of, uh, they took a picture
1: of the log, and, and around that log, <laughs> there was the aura of, of misery. <laughs> you see the chicken nugget flow through. Exactly. All right, the scene in which Bluto... Oh, we already said that. Uh, Niedermeyer's horse trooper... Was portrayed by Junior, who subsequently appeared in The Black Stallion as the horse Napoleon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. During their bonding week uh, before filming, the Seven Delta parties uh, partied a lot in their hotel. Bruce McGill actually stole the piano from the hotel's lobby and moved into his room so that the group would have music.
0: <laughs>
1: How? Yeah, How do you steal a piano? <laughs> Well, you know, not a lot of pianos are, are uprights and they're on wheels. Yeah. So you can wheel right house. So uh, I'm, I'm still, assuming they weren't on the top floor of this hotel. Yeah. Because you'd have to carry it you up. You couldn't
0: to, fit it in the elevator unless you no, know freight elevator like that. If it's, if,
1: it's a, if it's a motel or hotel, you know, the difference yeah, is inside and outside. Yeah. But still. Yeah. I wouldn't have went that far. Just, um, this is uh, repeatedly one of Donald uh, Sutherland's favorite uh, films of his. He described working it as the funniest uh, and the funnest experience that he had had on a set. Mm -mm. The bottle of whiskey that Bluto chugs was actually iced tea. This was part of keeping John Belushi away from alcohol and drugs. He was also excluded from the rest of the cast staying at the roadway in prior to the shoot. Because we all know he had a problem with that. So Mm -hmm. they were trying to keep him sober and everything uh, during this time of the shooting of the film. Um, (laughs) Also... We we said that this is Kevin's biggest first row, so when he went to the premiere, he wasn't allowed to sit with the rest of the cast because the ushers didn't believe he was in it. He had to sit in the back with everyone else. <laughs> no, no, I'm in it. Yeah, right, kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This bacon guy
0: is in a movie.
1: What? <laughs> He's got to be joking. <laughs> uh, during an A&E documentary on the 30th anniversary of the movie, it was revealed that when Bluto takes Charming Guy's guitar and smashes it, the scene was completely improvised from the script. The terrified reaction from the actors and actresses is genuine
0: sorry <laughs> it's so good. like it was an accident no. I love that <laughs> so. uh, Kevin, this is Kevin
1: Bacon's favorite uh, film of his um, John Belushi did get a bonus after it became a hit on top of this $40,000 that he earned um, other than John Belushi's opening yell the food fight was filmed in one shot with the actors encouraged to fight for real Flounder's groceries handling in the supermarket was another single shot. Stephen first definitely caught the many items John Landis and Tim Matheson threw at him, amazing Landis, by filming the long courtroom scene in one day. Landis won a bet with Ivan Rettman. <laughs> it's unheard of yeah. of filming uh, scenes in one shot. Yeah. Yes. The one that comes to mind is uh, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman in Batman Returns, where she takes the whip and she uh, does yeah the she decapitates heads, those mannequins in all in one, one shot. shot.
0: Insane! Yeah. I know you watch it like that's impossible, and she just does it. like like it was nothing. It right. just makes it look effortless awesome. when it's anything but. And yeah, it just goes to show like how talented these people are that like they get them all in one shot, like one incredible luck and two incredible skill, and like three just knowing you have the need. Like we do not have time to film this another day. We have to get this done today, right. and that's insanity to me. For oh, the gosh, so hard. segment
1: at the Dexter Lake Club, black extras had to be bussed in from Portland due to their scarcity around Eugene. <laughs> So, yeah. we can just leave that alone if we want. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. What well, you like going around, it's like we need
0: we need some black people for this scene. How can we find? We're like we just gotta bust them in. There's none of them here. Right. None of them
1: are in Eugene, Oregon. Yeah, that, that just you know. But in the '60s, <laughs> late '60s, when this is supposed to take place, or mm-hmm. when it came out. The world was totally different back then, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see we've grown a little bit as a country, but there's still a lot more improvement. There's certainly run. a lot more. Yeah. Um, during the scene where the Delta House are going to put the horse in Warmer's office, before they get it through, where Bluto is dressed in black and runs up the steps and stops, then jumps from side to side, if you watch closely, you will see a small, uncredited guest actor. A mouse runs across the middle step, stopping in the middle for a few seconds before continuing across. <laughs>
0: Goes clear, good. I have, to, I have to watch a little scene now just to see a little mouse. Yep.
1: Uh, this was originally going to be about Charles Manson in high school. Eventually the idea was discarded and the story would be turned into a very raunchy, funny rift on American Graffiti. That,
0: that's like a, <laughs> terrible that's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. it's a terrible idea. Who would think... But you would have watched it. No! <laughs> yes, you would have. That sounds awful. <laughs> that's such a... I, I mean... I, <laughs> okay, I mean, there's a younger me who definitely would have wanted to watch that film but as an adult now like no I don't want it. like he's just a psycho he's just a he's a
1: dumb psycho he would have fit right in with him <laughs> <laughs> he would have had no problem killing the horse <laughs> of course right of course. I mean, <laughs> no no the, the,
0: the real film you make if you want to make the, that, that film is like you just do Charles Manchin and the Beach Boys
1: that's oh, the movie you man. do <laughs>
0: and never even mention that he went on to do what he did <laughs>
1: Uh, let's move past that. Um, the food, fi- food fight so scene dark. inspired the video game uh, was inspired. the uh, words are hard. Uh, the food fight scene inspired the video arcade game "Food Fight," released by Atari in 1983. Mm-hmm. So I played that; it's a pretty fun game. Yeah, not a good not, you know, food fights in films. Not enough of them. Not, uh, they, 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 it's like they like they
0: were like, they happened in the 90s a little bit in kids movies, and then they just stopped forever. Kyle, that's top a, top three famous food fight scenes. Top three famous in cinema. I, Go. God. Okay, this movie won. Uh, you can't take this movie. No, this this number won easily. I, I I stand by it. I have to. I have to. Um, <laughs> now I have to think of two more fights. I want this to tell uh, my mind as Ernest I, goes to camp. My first, I think <laughs> there's a food fight in like Max Keeler's Big Move, which I watched
1: when I was like seven or eight. I think
0: that's all I can think. I know uh, I've seen
1: more. I think another one would be in Hook, where they have the imaginary food. Oh, remember yeah, that's a, that's a great scene. That, that has to be a scene. top
0: three, I think. That was a good food fight. Oh, man. And, like, it's good for a plot development, too. It's not just food fight for food fight. Right. Tech. But, uh, man, there's a lot of great, you know. And, oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, what was it? Recess, the, the cartoon show. They had a lot of great food fights in that show. And the movie, I
1: think. Yeah. Style. Uh, okay. Recess was a good show. Oh, come I'm on. It was that. The
0: Great Escape, but in a cartoon.
1: It was great. And Recess... <laughs> Uh, upon its release, uh, when it earned an unprecedented $142 million at the box office, this was the biggest comedy hit of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie dec- concludes by describing each character's fate. Meyer was killed in Vietnam by his own troops. In John Landis' segment of Twilight Zone, the movie, some soldiers overheard expressing regret for killing Lieutenant Myers <laughs> So it's
0: that's fantastic
1: <laughs> the continuity there is pretty funny yeah yeah. Uh, and last but not least the final interrupting of the parade sequence was shot on the universal lot this part of the lot has been used in several other films but the section of road at which the parade ends up on is the same section that Robert Zemeckis used for the clock tower sequence in Back to the Future every angle of this street is used but never once do you see the front of the clock tower set the only time you do see the tower is from the back end oh. so Kyle <laughs> What do you think of
0: Animal House? Ah, man, those new honestly the notes we just ran through made the movie more fun of me in retro. because I was walking in like ah oh, you know I get why this was funny but I don't like it now I feel like I like it a little bit more after hearing those notes and how like the whole production actually went understanding that gives me the background be like oh, you know what this movie does sound like a lot of fun hijinks now um, just watching the film on its own I was on the idea like this feels kind of. Mean-spirited and crude and kind of cynical about humanity overall, and I think that's still true. Um, it's definitely it's a particular kind of taste of comedy, especially for that era. You know, uh, you know, seventies and eighties, they have their own thing going on, definitely. Uh, but I think if you're willing to kind of look past um, some of the darker parts of that and look at what like it does right, it does them really, really right. And there's a lot of great improv in there that I really appreciate, and also just uh, in general, like the actors there are all you know putting in their A game and also kind of like reflecting the world at of the time a little bit. So overall, I really appreciate the film, especially in its place in film history. Um, personally, I'm probably not going to watch it very often. I might watch it a couple more times in my life, and that's going to be maybe it, if I watch it even that many times. But overall, it's a it's a fine film. It's, it's, it's well worth watching at least once, I think. Jimbo, how do you feel about it?
1: Well, you know, going in when you're watching a National Lampoon's uh, comedy of any sort, there's always going to be that raunchy um, jokes. Um, there's also... A lot of um, sexual innuendos, I'll say. Um, some some off-color jokes. Some uh, nudity. There is a little bit of nudity in this, so be warned if you watch it. Um, so you know that stuff going in. Um, and it's one of those films where I can see, especially at the time, why it was the movie and why it made so much money. Because it, it, it was... Kind of riding the coattails of Saturday Night Live a little bit. I do. I do think, even though they didn't want it to be a Saturday Night Live movie, um, yeah,
0: it and, casts a long. Uh, S N L casts the shadow over right, this film a little bit, right? Not in a bad way, but it just does. It um, just, it
1: just can't avoid it. Did I like it? I don't want to say I liked it. It was okay. Um, mm-hmm. It took me several times to try to sit down and watch it all the way through, um, because you'd get to a certain part and be like, "Man, I gotta stop. This is." Either that or I was watch, trying to watch it too late at night, and I and some of the jokes they seem dated because I wouldn't even laugh. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wouldn't laugh. or I feel like I didn't I have the patience for that kind of humor the anymore. The scene with the horse—it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought they killed the horse in the office or whatever. Yeah. Well, I feel like like
0: if someone walked in today with this kind of sense of humor, I would just like hate them and want to avoid them at all at all costs. But like willingly going into the movie, I can kind of accept it for what it is and then kind of like get away with it a little bit. So yeah, I certainly don't hate it, but yeah, I do. Right, I mean, see, it's, like it, it,
1: it's, it's, it's not
0: enjoyable for a lot of those reasons too. It's you know?
1: definitely probably a top comedy just because it was pretty much one of the first. Um, uh, In its, its era, that well,
0: so many movies even today don't exist without Animal House setting up the framework for what these movies kind of are, and having those like the, the 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 young adult hijinks kind of comedy movie, the ensemble cast like this movie set up that framework for so many movies like going forward. I think like like even like I mean, like, I don't know why only like only on top of my head would be like a not not a Christmas vacation or a Vegas vacation, but like a. Oh gosh! I just lose it. I just lost the train. I just lost the train, Jumbo. Oh no! It just went to the dark tunnel without the sunlight <laughs> on. It's, 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 like oh, movies like The Hangover or something like that, where it's like a small group of friends like getting involved in the high or something like that, or or other like major comedies that have like a large cast and have a raunchier tone, um, even, like uh, or even like a uh, Step Brothers or like uh, like Seth Rogan's and Will Ferrell's careers. I don't think exist in the same way without Animal House setting up the framework from those movies. Right? right. You know.
1: Um. So do I. Th- do I think it's one of my favorite movies? No. Um, is it worth a watch? Probably worth a watch. Um, just be known that when you get into it with a movie named Animal House, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's animalistic in it. Yeah. know. Think about all the good and bad of the 80s and then think, like, what would a really
0: – you know, what would be considered crude for the 80s is a lot cruder now. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> some, some, some places it's outlawed. So. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, so. Like, like uh, isn't there the scene in here where the one guy, you know, he's, he's falling in love with that one girl and she's like, I'm only 13 or something, you know, and you're like, oh, uh. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So it tackles that whole issue too. Mm-hmm. So – well, there you have it. That's our episode on Animal House. Mm-hmm. Um, remember that our live show is coming up in just right a few a, short weeks, right around lot, the corner. I'm so excited uh, for uh, Hillbilly Horror Stories and uh, Middle Age and Creeped Out here in Indianapolis. Um, if you want to still get your tickets, um, they're going fast. So the tickets can be purchased at the hillbillyhorrorstories.com, or if you go to Eventbrite, download the app on your um, iPhone or Google device or computer. Um, You just search uh, Hillbilly Horror Stories uh, in in Indianapolis and it'll pull it up. Tickets are $20. Um, So make sure you come see us. I know several of our friends and followers of the movies uh, podcast are coming so they've already messaged me so it's going to be a good time. And then, if everybody wants to go out and hang out and get something to eat afterwards, me and Kyle are more than likely uh, willing to go out and. Yeah, we're going to make a day of it. Animal house party with you. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. who knows, Kyle may even steal a piano. I'll be a zip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he will see us play fatter and fattest boy <laughs> <laughs> in, in person. Meanest so. dude coming right at you. <laughs> um, if you want to follow us on the, the Tragedy Cinema Facebook page, uh, we have a lot of fun on there, post a lot of crazy stuff. The social
0: medias, we do fun stuff there. Kyle, I like there.
1: TikTok. TikTok,
0: around the clock, bet your money on it. <laughs> TikTok don't <laughs> stop. <what's> coming on. <laughs> TikTok never stops. Well, eventually uh, we'll have a TikTok. It, it will be a thing someday. Um, yeah. So, uh,
1: yeah. I'll look into it. Since it's always on, on it. the back burner. <laughs> right. So um, you can follow us. I'm on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to follow us on Twitter. Um, I think I have an Instagram account. And I don't really post a lot of stuff on there, but... Yeah. Start taking pictures of food from cinema movies and <laughs> Posting on Instagram Ooh, Not a bad idea no. You know I always wanted to try the Turkish delight from the Chronicles of Narnia oh, oh, oh. You know what is that But we'll that Just repost amazing.
0: binging with Babish movie videos Remember ask
1: That's for, remember. Babs. That's for Babs Ask for Babs Yeah I don't know we have, may I have to do something If you come to the live show and you ask for Babs Kyle may have to give you a, a secret special gift <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll see
0: what that has to be when we get Cal has to think about it now. Ooh, I get some, I got some ideas. We'll find out. Like for for the true Animal House fan, I'll get you something very crude. <laughs> uh, I see a trip to Spencer's in your future. <laughs> we will say this is also, of course, National Lampoon. This is not a family friendly movie. <laughs> don't, yes, yes, don't take your kids to go watch National Lampoon's Animal House. And National Lampoon's anything, especially if you listen to this podcast. <laughs> don't do. That.
1: Well, with that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close, and that's where. That's a wrap. And cut.